Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Duke Pod Real Estate Stories, uh, our podcast here and our channel. Welcome back. It feels great after the long weekend. I actually had a day off on Monday. It felt like forever. Granted, I did go to the cottage like three weeks ago, which was great. Um, I was working in the cottage sometimes, but just before the cottage and right after the cottage, it was like minimum 12 hour days uh, for like two months, it felt like. Uh, so it was good to spend time with family. Uh, we actually took Oliver to the zoo yesterday in Brantford. It was open. It was nice. It wasn't too big. wasn't too small. Perfect for a three-year-old. I highly recommend it. And uh, back at it. So it's early here in the morning on Tuesday morning. Feels like a Monday. It's rainy. So it's a great day for a podcast. And welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Stories. So there's a couple things I want to mention before we start. Um, Last week, we talked about a couple stories, uh, one in Caledon, how we sold the house uh, for more money and another one, um, another story that we talked about how we won a house. So I want to touch base on the Caledon house. Uh, so I actually had a few people listen to the podcast and uh, I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot more people listen to the podcast. But one of the things you have to realize is that when you listen to these stories, there are kind of like they are behind the scenes kind of like access Hollywood in a way, but on a much smaller scale, they're behind the scenes of how things get done and how they get done efficiently and well. There are could be stories that you would never imagine that the strategy that we used was possible or you would never imagine that things get done like that. And people may not even agree to uh, how we went about doing it. But we've done hundreds of transactions and I was taught by the best uh, and I continue to uh, use those practice and those methodologies from uh, back in the day when I used to work for a really busy team. So just to give you a little heads up on that, um, I used to work for this team called the AJ Lamba uh, team and it was great. Uh, Honestly, I was thrown in the fire uh, from a brand new agent and um, I really want to talk about some of those stories from my first year, not today, because there were so many stories from this past month that I have to get some of those things out of the out of the way first. But uh, but this podcast is talking about the successes and the failures of numerous stories, how we got ourselves in some crazy situations and how that turned out. And this is for the benefit of everyone to enjoy them, uh, to comment on them and to learn of how to become successful in real estate transactions. So the AJ Lamba team uh, just had a lot of business. Like they were doing like 300 home sales a year and AJ was the broker. He's a very good agent. He knew what he was doing and he just taught you everything, everything you need to know. Uh, And being there for two years before I left, I felt like I was in the business for five years. Uh, I had to take on other people's clients. I had to do open houses every weekend, whether I had a house for sale or not, someone else's. Um, There were just so many leads. Uh, You just really, really work it. So in like the first two years, I did over 50 transactions myself. Um, And that's a lot for a brand new agent. The average agent does like four a year, I hear, maybe three. I don't know exactly, but you know, we're talking about 50. Some of them were hand-me-downs, but a lot of them had to work my butt off to convince clients. And there's a lot of things I did even my first year that uh, I continue to do now. Of course, now I actually have the experience to back it up. And uh, one of the things I want to, why I say this is just to explain a little bit about the podcast. And also my sister listened to the podcast. Uh, I love my sister. She's great. 
But she was saying that uh, the first story I told about Kaladin, she didn't really agree, uh, maybe, uh, with my methodology. And the point of this is that she felt that the client was willing to accept a certain price and that should be good enough. But what I'm telling you guys is you do not hire a real estate agent unless you want them to work your butt, their butt off for you to make you the most amount of money and to make things smooth. So uh, my sister may not agree with that, but at the end of the day, use our expertise to negotiate for you. In that situation, uh, the client uh, was willing to accept 575000 She already told me, yeah, let's take it. Guys, there's no way I'm going to allow that to happen if I feel that there's more money on the table for my clients. Uh, I am the pulse of the situation. I understand. I speak to the other realtors. I negotiate on the client's behalf. Even before, even before I understand... Uh, most time I do understand like what you need uh, to be happy and I try to go above and beyond. So that's why you hire realtors, whether you agree with our situation, with our methodology or not, that's just the way it works. You don't hire us unless you want to us to make things as smooth as possible and to make you more money. Uh, so these are, uh, two more stories that I'm going to tell you guys today. Uh, they are based along that there's always more to negotiate. And these are two different transactions that happened in the last couple of months. So let's start with the uh, let's start with actually the one in Caledon, Caledonia again. Uh, so we had the house for sale in Caledonia, and I had a lead email. So I had a client reach out to me and they say, "Can I see the house?" I don't know these people. Uh, they just reach out to me over Realtor.ca, which is a popular way of getting some leads once uh, here and there. So I say, "Sure." We negotiate, we talk, we pick a time. Now, here's the first tip. If someone asks you to see a house, never show them just one house. The reason is, is you don't know if they actually are going to like that house. So you want to show them another house to compare the first house. Two, they might actually like the other house. Three, um, you get some time to meet that person in person and build a rapport. So the more time you have with them, the more likely you have a chance to build a rapport. Once you build a rapport, the client is more likely to want to work with you as long as things go okay, right? So what I did in this situation is um, uh, let's call these people um, Tina and John. Tina and John uh, reached out to me and I emailed them, yes, let's see the house at this time. And I emailed them four other homes around the same price and i said was there anything else you'd like to see these other four homes are available they said yeah let's see this other one so it was friday evening uh you know once you have kids and you got to work friday evening sometimes that's okay because <laughs> you're home all the time anyway so you know you got to go where the business goes and uh friday evening i went and showed them the house they actually didn't uh mind my house so of course i'm doing my best to try to sell the house for the client that I represent the sellers. But uh, once I show them the other house, they love that house. Okay. So they next day they call me, they say, yep, let's try to buy that house. Now, guys, think about this. If I show a client two homes for the first time and they want to buy one of those homes, that is lucky, right? Let's be honest. Let, it's lucky. I mean, I'm, to I'm telling you that I specifically tried 
to show them an extra house because I know how these things work and it did work out, but I did get lucky. I show them the other house. They love it. Now uh, it's listed at 650,000 and I send them all the information by email about the house. It's called the CMA comparative market analysis, the history of the home, um, all the comparables, everything like that. And we see that most of these homes were selling for like 600. What I didn't do is I did not send them any of the homes that sold, but have not closed yet. So it was a little bit of a mistake on my end. Uh, now in the Toronto real estate board, they don't decipher the two, but in the matrix system. So because this is Caledonia, like the Hamilton market, they have a separate feature that you can look at homes that are sold pending. So that means they've sold, they, we know the price, uh, we know how many days it took to sell and, but it hasn't closed yet. So, uh, when I sent them comparables around 600, we put an offer of 590. The other agent says, that's crazy. Like no way. So one of the things you have to also remember is you want to work with the other agent the best way you can to try to help you. So in this situation, I said, well, look, I didn't find any other homes similar to your price. Do you have any homes that you can send me as a comparable that I can show my clients and uh, maybe we can get closer to a fair value for the house? And she did. She actually sent me a home that was listed at uh, $650 and it sold for $633,000. It was the exact same house, more or less, exact same neighborhood. And I was like, all right, well, I guess that's the value of the house. And that was in the sold pending category. So I show this to my clients and they say, okay, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Uh, this year with COVID, the, every month was different. Like the month at the beginning of the year, things were just shooting up, up, up. And then March, halfway through March, boom, COVID hit. The market's way down. People aren't going to houses. Uh, then a, a couple months later, the amount of activities climbing up and up and up. And then now at the end of July and August, it's kind of like stabilizing. So looking at homes two months ago and looking at homes that sold like last week or last month is a huge difference and a really big indicator where the market actually is this year. So when I saw that sold uh, pending house for 633, showed it to the clients, they understood that maybe that's closer to the value. Um, we were negotiating and uh, the sellers ended up coming back with 633.5 and they said that this is the final price that they're willing to sell their home 633,500. Now my these buyers I have which I don't know very well, they said they're pre-approved. When I told them about this price and I said, "Listen, it does seem like this is more or less their bottom line. This is our third round of negotiating. We've already gone back and forth three times." What you want to do whenever you negotiate a deal, whichever side you're on, you want to see where is a point where you feel like the other side is basically like, hey, you better take this or you better flip off because this is our bottom line. Once you know that, then you know, okay, yeah, this is this is the price, right? So I got that sense here and they said, okay, I guess we're just going to have to accept it. Our bank has pre-approved that for pre-approved us for like 610 or something like that. So we'll just have to let the bank figure it out if they can approve us. Now that gave me an idea. I call, I called the agent back. Um, the offer we had was uh, valid for let's say 24 hours. 
and uh, it was on the table. I called the agent back and I said, hey, listen, like, we don't know if we're approved for 633-500, so we gotta talk to the bank. So I let the other agent sweat it out a bit. The next day I call them and I say, hey, great news, the bank said we can do 630,000. 630, not 633.5, 630. Now, does the client know I was gonna do that? Yeah, they actually did tell them that, yeah, that's let's try this. Um, now, they probably were gonna get approved anyways for 633.5, but I put it in their hands, into the seller's hands, that this is the maximum we can do, that the bank has literally approved us, and if they want this home sold now, this is it and uh they came back ultimately and they accepted so i got twenty thousand dollars off for my client from a brand new house and in the end uh their their bottom line was 633.5 and i got them 630 so i got three and a half thousand dollars off on a final last minute strategy that worked uh we put the pressure on the sellers to either wait it out or to accept just slightly less than their bottom line and we did it. So remember, there's always more to negotiate. So that's our first story there. I hope you liked it. Uh, our second story comes from Georgetown. Uh, so there are some fun things I want to talk about, uh, maybe in other podcasts. Uh, for example, in July, this being August 3rd, in July, um, I actually was a part of quite a number of real estate transactions. I actually became the second... Uh, second uh, top performing agent in the whole brokerage uh, over the month of July, uh, which I feel really good about, but I'm not gonna talk about that in this podcast uh, specifically. Uh, maybe I'm gonna tell you guys, I thought about um, a day I had in July that there was just so much happening and why that's important. I'll talk about it next time. But one of the transactions in July, uh, to put it in perspective, was supposed to firm up that means that I had a house for sale, it was sold conditional, and it was supposed to be sold on Friday, July 31st. Why that's important, of course it's important for the clients because they'd love to have their home sold and then move on and just plan the move to their new home that we bought. Uh, they're the people that sent the picture in, <laughs> if you remember from the first podcast. So uh, we've been doing all kinds of strategies with them to benefit their transactions. But why is it important for me um, in kind of like a, uh, you know, one-off situation was that had this deal have sold, had this home have sold, I would have become the number one agent in all the month of July. This one deal was pending between number one and two. So Friday, July 31st rolls around. I call the other agent the, who represents the spires. He said, yeah, give me an update from the bank, from the bank. Five o'clock he calls me. He's like, hey, uh, they did not get approved from the bank. They want to go through another lender and now they want to uh, You know, they just need a few more days of financing guys. It's a long weekend right after that So Monday doesn't count as a, as a business day So they want four extra days for financing it means that they want a whole nother week If you can't resolve your financing in one week Okay Sorry, there's no way I'm giving you a chance to try to buy this house. I need to put it back on the market my it's not good for my clients and guys when you're looking to buy a house for yourself or your clients make sure they're pre-approved 
So you don't lose the house for them on financing because you didn't do the extra steps. Let them know that they will lose a home if they don't have their pre-approval done before that. And this is exactly what happened to these guys. Think about it. They had the house. Uh, we agreed on giving them five days conditions and uh, conditions for financing and home inspection. They did a home inspection. They were happy, but it was they lost it on the financing because they couldn't figure it out. They went to the bank when clearly their circumstances were more for a lender. So I don't know what these guys are doing. So I told them, nope, uh, we can't give you the extension. We need to sell the home. So they had to send us a document called a mutual release, which uh, basically voids the transaction and they can get their deposit check back. That's uh, totally legal. It's standard. And uh, Saturday morning, uh, once I had that document, I could relist the home. So why this is important is once the home's been on the market for like two, three weeks, typically I would say 30 days, but because the market's pretty active, you don't want to have a home uh, not sold after like 15 or 20 days on the market because then everyone that comes into the home will say, well, what's wrong with the home? Like all the homes are selling and this one isn't. So the fact is that somebody just wasted our time. They couldn't, they uh, made us think that they're, fi they're financially stable and they love the home and they gave us a good price but they couldn't get it done. So Saturday morning, once I had the mutual release, I relisted the home. So I took it off the market, canceled the old listing, which was at like day 15 or 16. And I put it back on the market. Uh, so we signed the forms to uh, like, it's like a brand new listing. Um, so yeah, the, the sellers, I represent the sellers. They were nervous. They were stressed out on Friday because uh, they really wanted to get their home sold. And on Sunday, they were going to the cottage for the whole week. What better way to celebrate than having your home sold? And then in two months, you're moving to your new home, your family home forever. But I had to give them the other news. And that happens, guys. Sometimes we have to give our clients some tough news that the deal did not go through. Something's happening and we need to figure it out. So it's my job to stay calm for the clients and that's what we did we stayed calm said i'm sorry it didn't work out but uh, i know your home's gonna sell don't worry let's use this time to relist the house put it back on the market the market is still doing really well when people see the home uh brand new uh, they're gonna be flocking over um typically i wouldn't relist the home on saturday but the circumstances were like you know friday evening we found out and we have to move on um, but we relisted the home Saturday morning. So by 10 in the morning on two different boards, the Toronto real estate board and the matrix, uh, Oakville Milton board. So, uh, that's more for like the West End GTA, like Kitchener, um, Hamilton and such, but you never know if buyers come from that area. So I like to list homes on both boards. Uh, it just helps with the realtors find these homes. Um, so we relisted it by 10 in the morning. It's on both boards. We have a few appointments that day. The first people that come in, they love the house. Boom. They, two, three hours later, maybe like five o'clock, I have an offer on their house already. Now, we just went through a full week of a financing period that didn't go well. So when I told them we have another offer with five days financing, they're like, no, we do not want that. Because what if the, in a week they the people back out again, they don't get their financing, right? Okay. Guys, let me tell you, the best case scenario for these people, how you can sometimes get an offer with uh, less conditions is by 
having a second offer. Sometimes you're able to get lucky and sometimes you're not. In this circumstance, uh, their house was listed for 875,000. We relisted it for uh, 859,9. Now it looks really attractive. Uh, it's a, it's the features of the home is rare for uh, that kind of uh, price. Um, the first people came in, they loved it. They want to buy it. They put full conditions. Okay. I have an offer. It's valid until midnight. Yes, we can counter their offer and say, okay, we want full price. We want this and that, but I have other appointments coming all the way till 730. So what you want to do is you want to give everyone a chance to go into the house, see the house. They know that there's an offer registered. I can do it myself. I can register the offer. I received an offer so I can put in the system. Everyone gets an email. Everyone that books an appointment in the house, they'll be like, yep, one offer registered. So they know that they have a limited amount of time. And now there's some hype on the house. This house just comes back on the market and there's already an offer. You better act quick. So I'm negotiating with the agent for this offer, finding out basically more or less how much they want the house. Uh, what are some of the terms that we need closing day and such. But I'm also waiting for the other agents to bring their clients through to see if there's any interest. Lucky enough, around seven o'clock, remember we were gonna wait till at least 7.30 to respond to the first offer. Another agent calls me to say, yeah, you have an offer. My clients looked at the house. Um, they like it. They're thinking about putting an offer. At 9 p.m., I get the other offer. So I keep the first agent in the loop. Okay, it's totally fine. We don't have to respond to the first offer until midnight. Now, this is Saturday. This is my Saturday. This is the client Saturday. Uh, and everyone Saturdays in, you know, negotiating for this house. But I think this is this is just kind of like a fun part of the job, to be honest. Like if I can get this home sold for the clients and then they go to the cottage, whoo, they're going to love that. <laughs> it's a little bit foreshadowing. I think you figured out what I'm going to say later. But um, the second offer comes in. I tell the first clients we got a second offer. It's registered. Now there's two offers. Now the first offer they're a little bit worried. They could lose the house that they really, really want. I call the agent, but have a look at the second offer. It's actually worse than the first offer. Now they don't have conditions in the second offer. So they're like, okay, we'll buy the house for like 8,000 under asking, but we don't have a home inspection. We don't have financing. So we're willing to take it as it. So I wouldn't say it's like a bad deal, but it was worse monetary value than the first offer. That's the most powerful thing you have as a realtor is when you have another offer in hand. Once you have that other offer in hand, you can then give both people a chance to improve their offer. Now I called the first agent back that submitted earlier in the day. She was a very nice agent. I was happy to talk to her. Now I cannot ethically or unethically tell her the parts of the offer that uh you know you just can't tell people like hey this is the price these are the terms like it's not ethical right but i call her back hey we've got this offer now in hand and it's very strong i just leave it like that she says oh please tell me tell me like my clients really like it you know this is music to my ears because i'm thinking that yes they're going to come back with something better um and i said yeah it's very strong um you know my clients would really consider accepting this offer um, but would you guys like to improve uh, to see if maybe you guys can get this house tonight? 
Like we're talking about 9 p.m. on a Saturday. We're still negotiating this thing. I got this thing at five o'clock. So of course their clients love it. Uh, at like 10 p.m., I get an offer that's a little bit over asking. My clients asking at a closing date that is almost exactly what they wanted, uh, and at over a one thousand dollars more than their asking price. Okay, it doesn't matter if it's this, you know, a thousand or two thousand or something. But the most important is that, yeah, sure, the price matters. But the most important is also is that because I told them the other offer is very strong, so I didn't give anything away because it was strong. It was unconditional. Just the price was mm, could be better. <laughs> but they don't know that. And you as an agent, as the listing side, you have to put some pressure on the other side to come in strong to have a chance to win. You don't have to put anything in there. Well, you have to put the pedal to the metal on them that they could lose this house if they don't put their best efforts forward. So they came back with 861,000, 1,000 over asking, no conditions, good closing date, all the terms we were looking for. Let me tell you, when I called my client and I told them about the offer, of course I emailed it so they could see it. I literally heard, I love you on over the phone and a lot of cheering. We signed it up, it's a done deal. Yeah, we're waiting for the check uh, the next business day, but it's unconditional. So the, no one's the buyers have officially bought the house. Now, we can't update the system till the deposit's in. That's just the way things work. Um, however, I just made this client's weekend. Um, we leveraged the other offer, even though it was worse, to a way better offer from the first agent without telling them. Um, and... Uh, Sure, I look like uh, a little hero, uh, but the most important part is that the client's home is sold. They don't have to worry. They can go to their cottage. Do you think they're going to celebrate hard at the cottage? They should. Uh, I mean, it turned out really well for them. Uh, and the money was basically the same as the first original offer that didn't go through. And at the end of the day, there was always something more to negotiate. And so you don't know until you try. And for anyone that says uh, that uh, maybe my clients would have been happier with 5,000 less, most people are not going to be okay with knowing that they sold something for 5,000 less when they could have had 5,000 more. So that's my job. That's my value. And that's what the value of your realtor should be, is to negotiate to the absolute maximum point without losing the deal or without making you overpay. So these are two more great stories that literally happened in the last 60 days. And I'm going to keep them coming, guys. So enjoy, like, and comment on the podcast or on YouTube or any other avenue we have this thing. I mean, I think those are the only two really for now. I didn't really know how to advertise these podcasts, to be honest. So we'll figure that out later on. Uh, but I do need to go back to work now officially. Got to prepare for some more uh, listing presentations. And uh, I only have one more house for sale, I had five, I'm down to one. So I gotta figure out how to sell that one to make that client happy. And I'm wishing you guys, everyone, a wonderful week. Welcome to August, let's make it awesome.